Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Zach Talander. He's a weightlifter, coach, and a YouTuber. Serious problems are afoot. The number of men reporting no sex in the last year has tripled since 2010. Monkeypox is running rampant, and Amber Heard is able to get into the bottom of a squat on an unstable surface, but hasn't tried to take up the sport of Olympic weightlifting yet. Thankfully, Zach is here to shill his wares, try and acquire Amber as a coaching client, and also work out just what's going on. Expect to learn why men's and women's beauty standards are diverging in 2022, what a 200-kilo Greek man can teach us about training for the difficult, whether we can find patient zero for monkeypox, why men can't get laid, my experience not being kidnapped in Guatemala, why Johnny Depp wears cooler sunglasses than you, and much more. I always enjoy having Zach on the show, the same as Johnny and Youssef. It's great having high-intensity conversations about stuff that really matters, but sometimes I just want to gossip. You know, you're going about your day. You're busy doing whatever you're doing. You just want a nice voice, a nice familiar voice in the background talking about monkeypox or Amber Heard pooing on a bed. This is where we are today. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. This episode is brought to you by Crafted London. Finding men's jewellery that doesn't suck is very difficult and Crafted London have nailed it. They're the number one men's jewellery company worldwide. They're sweatproof, waterproof, heatproof, and gymproof. They've got custom designs in gold and silver, necklaces, chains, pendants, bracelets, rings, and earrings. If you've seen me on any of the big cinema episodes on YouTube wearing a necklace, it will always be from Crafted. I absolutely love it. It works with formal wear, casual wear, whether it's daytime or nighttime. All of the pieces are super high quality. The designs are great, and uh, I love them. That's It's all I wear. Also, they have an unlimited lifetime guarantee so if your piece breaks for any reason at any point during the entire life of the product they will give you a new one for free get a 15 percent discount site-wide on everything by going to bit.ly slash cd wisdom and using the code mw15 at checkout that's bit.ly slash letter c letter d wisdom and mw15 at checkout this episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've worn Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free 
pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap. Plus, you get your first month for free and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Zach Talander. Zach Talander, welcome to the show. I'm back. Back again. How many times is this? Five, six, maybe? I don't know. Not I'm enough. Guess. I'm I'm the guy. I'm Not the, enough. The... That's how many. <laughs> That's right. That's how, right. I, how are you feeling I'm very after, comfortable uh, here now. How are you feeling after your weekend gig playing uh, Champagne Supernova to a massive crowd of uh, 18 adults and five children? Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like a celebrity. You know, just walking into a party, picking up an instrument and singing an absolute classic. That's, by the way, like I I said that that night, like that has got to be a staple if you're trying to just have a sing-along song. Really, any Oasis song we've determined. Champagne Supernova. In the UK, if you were to ask it in the UK, it would be a bit cheesy because everybody already thinks that. Like to, To put Wonderwall or Don't Look Back in Anger or Champagne Supernova, it's so obvious. But I said it in America... And everyone was like, yes, amazing idea. I'm thinking, that was well, the first thing okay. that came to mind. Wonderwall, Wonderwall is, it's like that here. Okay, so that is a corny one to choose. If you got to pick up a guitar and you start playing Wonderwall, you're going to get shit for it, 100%. Because it's just like, you know, you know the meme where it's like the conversation ends and you go, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> you know? No. Yes. No. So that... It is it is a widely known thing. It's just like don't play Wonderwall, but Champagne Supernova. That's not off limits. You crushed it, man. It was good. Yeah, we had a I had a great Saturday. I went to Lift ATX, this new indoor outdoor gym. That was fantastic. It's a bit hot. Well, it's very hot. Austin generally, man. I went away to Guatemala, right? So I'm in Guatemala, uh, getting the visa thing, and then I come back and something's happened. Someone's flicked a switch in Austin, and this place is disgusting now. And it's about everyone's like, oh, just wait until summer arrives. I don't want to wait until summer arrives. This is already far too much for me. Yeah, it's at a certain point, it's either like you go from AC unit to AC unit or AC unit to pool, you know, <laughs> to shower, like to AC. unit. Yeah, to shower. You don't want it. You're not just like doing outdoor activities and not having like air conditioning near you. Well, for sure. Like everyone in England knows, most people in cold places understand that you want to dress appropriately and spend as little time in the cold as possible, moving from you know a heated car to a heated house to a heated office to a, a gym or whatever. But the reverse just is so bizarre. It's like, oh, you don't want to go outside, it's too hot. It's never been a problem. I've always wanted it to be more hot. But yeah, so uh, did Lift ATX, that was cool. Went to see everything everywhere all at once with Sky. Because mm-hmm. it's it's to do with Asian stuff, so Sky was in love with it. And uh, for the people that haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. I don't think it's the best film ever made, which tons of people are, are sort of giving it that accolade. But yeah, it's pretty good. The, the one assessment you said was like it wasn't um, like uh, d- like deeply sci-fi enough, right? Yeah, well, like I it, just it thought didn't... it was going to be more like Tenet or 
Interstellar yes. or something that was going to blow my face off. And it was funny and and quirky and it had charisma and stuff. But that, for me, that detracted away from the serious, whatever, philosophical undertone of it. And then I asked a bunch of the guys. Everyone had a different idea about what it meant and no one agreed with anyone else about what the under, like the subtext of the of the plot was. Uh, and then we went to our boy Chase's birthday. You played Wonderwall, and then I went to a new nightclub. So this weekend was pretty pretty fun, man. I I got a lot in. Yeah, yeah. That's just going to be the typical weekend for someone who's now a visa holder in the states. It's yes, not, sir. That's a big deal. You can't just you can't just glance over that. That's a big deal, man. Let's You're go. here now. Can come and go can, as I want. You can fly man. in and out, right? Yeah, there you go. Literally. Yeah, I mean that was Congrats. getting the O one is is such a um, it was such a journey like seven hundred pages to get that portfolio submitted, and you need signatories, and you need offers of work, and you need a, a sponsor here in the US, and <laughs> all of these. It's so weird. Like it literally would have been easier for me to fly to Mexico and walk over the border. I'm pretty sure that that would have been a simple <laughs> just solution. being illegal. Yeah, yeah, that would have been an easier solution. It's done, man. Yeah, probably. I'm here here now. Um, I was watching that Kariakos Grizzly video that you did where he talks about training for the difficult. Yes. What what is that? Well, I I think, first off, Kariakos Grizzly is, he is, he's an enigma. He is very, very strong, but he does these unusual movements that are not very functional, I guess would be the definition. He, he he does like zercher shrugs. So he'll like literally stand with weights in his elbows, like a barbell in his elbow with an obscene amount of weight. And he'll just like shrug it up and down two inches. Okay. And then he'll put it down and start screaming. He's also a very, very large individual. Like part of his training is just like getting on the scale and it says like 195 kilos body weight. And it's like, you know, it's like a, a, a thing that he's passionate about is how heavy he is. He's in, and what what's interesting is what happens with a lot of the fitness industry around YouTube, uh, and I can I can list off examples. But these guys, they're kind of you know enigmatic, like I said. But then they kind of get memed, and maybe someone thinks they're stupid or foolish at first. But then they just keep going long enough to where it, it's yes, it is this under said joke, right? It's like Kyriakos Grizzly. Like we all know what's going on, but at the same time, the joke has been going on so long that like you're an asshole if you don't go along with the joke. And I absolutely love it. Like I, I can't get enough of, of this guy. So what he says is two things. He says, you have to live it. And you, and then the other one is training. Someone says, why do you train so hard? He goes for the difficult. Okay. Which is <laughs> Okay. <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. If you can, if you can think of like a Greek accent, someone going like for the difficult, you know, it's, it's, it's not like grammatically correct, but yes, it's, it's for the difficult. And I perceive it as, you know, just giving yourself adverse adversity so you can create a better version of yourself. Uh, but what I did was I kind of deconstructed that and, and tried to make a video that I could help people with. And, um, there was this really good example that I used of Jack White, who's like one of, if I look up to anyone in music, it's, it's Jack White. And one of the things he said in this documentary, it's a great documentary, it's called Under These Great Northern Lights, and it's him and Meg White and the White Stripes, and they're going uh, through Canada, and they just go through like 
really random places and play live gigs. But one of the things he says is like, um, convenience is the enemy of creativity. And being, if, if you are given all of these opportunities, it's, it's less likely, or if things are made easier for you, it's less likely that you're going to make something that you're going to see as worthwhile. And one of the things that he says is like, you know, for instance, you know, book four days in the studio and make yourself make an entire LP, which is a full length album. And uh, a couple of, you know, one of the things he says is like, if I go up on stage and I just kind of play what we usually play, and I don't show that effort, people know. Whether they whether they say that they know it, there's something inherent where they can tell that you're just kind of just going through the motions. So what I try to do is make things difficult, you know, a lot for the difficult. And so he's like, I play these 15-year-old piece of shit guitars that go out of tune, their strings snap. I play them because it's an added challenge. I put my picks on the amp behind me rather than on the microphone stand so if i drop a pick i have to during the song find a point where i can sprint back and get a pick i make the piano uh, a distance away from me so when i switch from the guitar to the piano i have to sprint over there i have to time it up just right and if i don't i'll miss it and he's like i add all of these challenges in so that i can create something beautiful for people to watch and uh, and I, I liken that to for the difficult. I try to, you know, I try to take something that's meme worthy and, and see what we can learn from it. I usually do that sort of sort of thing with my videos. Um, another example of this is actually I, th- I think it was David Goggins on uh, Rogan. And he I, I believe he said he's like, I'm going to go back to work, Joe. Like my hands are getting too soft. And he, and he said he wanted to do like smoke jumping, which is um, like forest fire uh, fighter. Or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact. And if he actually ended up doing it. He's like, you know, my life has gotten too easy for myself. He's like, I got to make it hard. And so, like, I always think about those things. It's like, am I making life too easy for myself? Are you out there making life too easy for yourself? What can you do to make it so it's more difficult, but still able to move forward? Goggins hasn't done any media in three years. I found this out last week. He hasn't done any new media <clears throat> like in three years. He's done little bits for his own channel, but he hasn't. You know, he, someone like him breaks onto the scene, and you would expect to see him on Rogan once a year, and he would be doing rounds sort of constantly. And he hasn't done anything for three years, which is pretty wild. So maybe he has been training for the difficult. Maybe he has been doing whatever oh, 100%. it is. Knowing that guy, he has to be. He has to be. Have you he read his book? I've only I I never read it when it first came out, but I'm, no. I'm listening to it now, dude. It's so good. And uh, this guy had such a fucked up childhood. It was ruthless. His dad was a pimp that ran a roller skate rink and he used to make the kids sleep in the office because they would be cashing up. And, oh, dude, it was was terrible. Absolutely awful. And then his mum was about to marry this guy and this guy dies and he was finally going to have a family and then he doesn't. And then just an endless number of catastrophes that happen and then there's all of that stuff about him cleaning out cockroaches it's a super inspiring story i I get that he's not everyone's cup of tea because of the way that he communicates but yeah he's he's fantastic man i I, i'm really looking forward i think he's going to be doing more stuff this year i think he's going to be back on it this year um and if that's the case it's like there aren't many other people that do what he does even jocko who's you know kind of close to him in terms of his rhetoric 
It's not the same. Like Jocko does a Jocko thing and Goggins does a Goggins thing. So I'm I'm glad that he's he's maybe coming back. Uh what are your hold on, what are, what are your thoughts on poking your head out every once in a while when you're when you're at that level? Maybe David Goggins isn't quite at that level, but what are your thoughts on the less is more approach to maybe social media, to whatever that may be? Well, Robert Greene talks about the fact that a little bit of aloofness creates a sense of mystique and sort of attraction around who you are. Because if people always know that they can get a hold of you as much as they want, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem as special anymore. Um, it seems to me that it's probably just like any other normal distribution, right? That if you're going to post very, very consistently online and put out tons and tons of content, you have to be an outlier in terms of the quality. So James Smith's a good example of this, right? He has, I wouldn't like to guess the last time that he went 24 hours without his story being up. And it's always tons and tons of stories and they're always face to camera and they're always, there's always something happening, right? But he's an outlier because he's interesting. Like he's a, he's a funny guy that has great delivery online. So he can get away with that. Now, I think it would probably be a bit of a waste if you had James's skill and decided to only do it every three years, do a little batch of uh, of runs. There's definitely something exciting about only getting like a, a, a limited run of access yeah. to someone's ideas. Um, and something tells me that maybe with Goggins, he's he's probably the sort of guy that's going to have enough stories and enough amazing insights to maybe do that to do like a condensed run every three years and then go away and then prove himself for the difficult and to then come back and be like look here's what i learned having done the difficult here are some more things for you to learn about but if it was just consistent i don't know whether that would work quite so well you know i mean there was that period when jordan peterson came back after he'd had you know basically two years off from his recovery and all of that stuff people were excited because they hadn't seen him for ages. And yep. the, yeah, absence can sort of make the heart grow fonder, maybe like that. What do you think? Well, I, I like to think about Tool, one of my favorite bands. Um, Maynard Keenan being the lead singer, like even when, even when they perform, he's in the back. So it's like the only lead singer I've ever seen that goes to the back of the stage. Did Behind you know the drummer? No, it's like kind of to the left or right of the drummer. But in line uh, with him? Yeah. Wow. And uh, sometimes actually behind the drummer. So like Danny Carey, I, I believe, I, I can't quite remember because I, I saw them live. It was probably one of my top three favorite shows I've ever been to. And Danny Carey's more center stage. And he has two boxes that he goes to that are to the left and to the right of Danny Carey. And maybe even slightly behind him. So you can already get that mystique from him. You know, and he was also saying, like, as far as sound goes, it's easier for me uh, to to sing. And it makes more sense just because I'm a singer. It doesn't mean that I should have my back to my band. Um, But, you know, he's a type of guy like that band to me is so massive. But yet they have like almost zero pop culture. uh, What's the word? I'm like exposure. yeah, they, they're relevance, right? They're just not relevant in, in pop culture, and yet they can sell out arena after arena after arena after taking a massive break from album to album. And he goes and he takes this money from this tour and he fucks off to Arizona to his winery. And he just, all he focuses on is is making good wine. And now he's gotten into like this uh, industry of, trying to sell his wines to other restaurants in Arizona. He's trying to build like this hub 
that's what he's passionate about. And I think I just find it so interesting when your art is that good that no matter what you do, if you start a tour, people will go crazy for you. And I almost revere that because I'm in the position of the opposite. And I believe you're probably the same, right? Where it's like, if we don't, if we don't show, poke our feed heads the beast. in. Yeah, if we don't feed the beast, we are disappearing. And so it's almost like, the, yeah, the grass is always greener, but um, I, I do respect it. I think it's very, very interesting to talk about. I also think, especially with Maynard Keenan and Tool, and who's his other one? P- Perfect Circle, right? That's his other one. Um, yeah, and Pussifer, and, but yeah, Perfect Circle, yeah. Um, those guys are people that have done the work and got themselves to the very top. Something tells me that when he was first starting out that he wouldn't have been able to be quite so aloof. They were probably play, playing more shows, releasing more records, being more available for doing yep. press and for doing stuff like that. This is a conversation I had yesterday in the uh, uh, at the pool party of the W Hotel, like not the place that I thought I was going to have a, a great philosophical conversation, but I ended up having a great one with Joshua. And um, we were talking about the fact that a lot of the time people look to those that are successful and have made it ask them what their advice is or what the ways that they operate are now and then try and map that to someone who's not at the same stage of the journey. So it's like, yeah. look, Maynard Keenan probably nailed shows. He had to learn how to tour, to perform live, to deal with onstage nerves. Everything, right? The logistics, the sound, the quality, ev- all of the things that you need to do. You only really get that from iterating on your craft, from doing things over and over and over again. But if you were to ask him now, or if you were to try and model his behavior now, you'd go, oh, there's this sort of aloof thing that's going on. It's like, bro, no one knows who you are. But Maynard Keenan can do that because he's Maynard fucking Keenan. Right. Like, you right. don't get to do that as starting out band member that nobody has a clue what you do. I, I've seen the same thing if you want to learn how to do something. like So, for instance, uh, in the sport that I'm involved in, Olympic-style weightlifting, people look at the elite and they base their training off of what they perceive the elite are doing now, right? They may not even have an understanding of exactly what the elite was doing. They might have a few clips of what they're doing and say, oh, they do this. I want to do that as well. Two of my most successful videos in YouTube history for me, both over 3 million views, are exactly about this thing, is modeling your movements, your behaviors off of the top is actually one of the worst practices you can do rather than trying to model your behaviors over someone that might be slightly more successful than you because that's much more attainable and that's much more realistic of a, of a direction for you to go. And then you just keep on taking those small leaps and you make realizations about your process and how you would get better over time uh, rather than looking at Dmitry Klokov or uh, Lu Zhaojun, both of like the most famous weightlifters on YouTube and on Instagram and saying, oh, they do this. I want to do that. Well, it's like you didn't see what they did. Yeah, do what for they did decades before. Do what they did when they were at your stage, not when they're at that stage. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's that exactly. same. We would, I, I can't remember the example. I think it was Warren Buffett where he talks about how um, I think it's 60 percent of Berkshire Hathaway's wealth has come from 10 trades in his life. 10 trades, bro, wow. to make more than half of the uh, gains from Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, one of them is Coca-Cola. Uh, and yep. there was this wild story where he worked out the proportion of real estate inside of people's stomachs that Coca-Cola needed to take up 
in order to be able to get itself to the place that it want they wanted it to be. Um, so he, you know, he really, really, really researches this thing, and he takes forever to make a decision, and blah 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 blah. And you go, well, yeah, that like that's that's really really great, but I also seem to remember that he did a ton of businesses when he was in his teenage years. He was. Um, yeah, selling yes. newspapers and cleaning cars and doing loads of stuff. And you go, okay, like that's what he did when he started out. What are you doing when you're starting out? And I, I really think there's something there about mapping the journey, not mapping the uh, successful strategies of people once they've reached that end destination or that that sort of pinnacle thing. Uh, speaking of which, monkeypox. Worried about monkeypox? I haven't. I I've only seen just like memes. Monkeypox. Where monkey, I'm at. Monkeypox is real. So monkeypox outbreak is primarily spreading through sex. World health officials say. Uh, European nations have confirmed dozens of cases in what's been the largest outbreak of monkeypox ever on the continent, according to the German military. I don't know why they're involved in this. The U.S. has confirmed at least two cases, and Canada has confirmed at least five. So has the Belgium. Belgium has introduced a mandatory 21-day quarantine for monkeypox. If you get monkeypox and COVID, you're fucked. Um, the most recent surge in cases appears to have been spread among men who have had sex with other men. So the first place that this came out of was a sauna in Madrid. So it's obviously, I don't know, a bunch of guys maybe having a bit of fun in the sauna, and then one of them has I mean, I, I want to know. This is always the question. Like, who was the person that ate the pangolin or whatever, or the one that escaped from the lab or yeah, some shit uh, that got... What is it, zero? Some yeah, patient like, zero. Uh, patient zero. Yeah, yeah, I want to know who... I want to know how monkeypox comes... Because it's not interesting. Are Once you sure? Are you sure you want to know? Yeah, I kind of... Are you sure? I, I kind of do. I don't want to see it graphically. Definitely <laughs> not. But I do kind I'm pretty, pretty intrigued. But yeah, so vaccines are available. Um, But... It's it's just fascinating that you're talking about how many cases there are in Europe, and then there's this. Uh, it's a sexually transmitted, a new sexually transmitted infection. While the virus itself is not a sexually transmitted infection, uh, which are generally spread through semen and vaginal fluids, the most recent surge in cases appears to have been spread amongst men who have had sex with other men, uh, emphasizing that anyone can contract monkeypox. Many diseases can be spread through sexual contact. You can get a cough or a cold through sexual contact, but it doesn't mean it's a sexually transmitted disease. Okay, so that's interesting. So it's not actually an STI, but it's just... It's just one of the ways that you can that you can contract it. But yet now this is the new this is the new current thing that everybody needs to be concerned about. Okay, well, clarify that for me because maybe I'm just an idiot and didn't understand that. Can you get it from if you are not sexually active with other men or sexually active at all? Can you get monkeypox? Yes. Okay. All right. So it's a uh, chickenpox. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's now a virus. Are, is there a potential for a cure, or are we looking at? They've already got a vaccine. Or they've already got a vaccine. There's a vaccine oh, that already okay. exists for it. Um, monkeypox is a disease caused by a virus in the same family as smallpox, but not as severe. Monkeypox can kill as many as one in ten. The vaccine used to prevent smallpox appears to have an 85% effectivity rate guarding against monkeypox in observational data in research in Africa, World Health officials say. The vaccines aren't widely available, so it's important to reserve them for populations that are most at risk. What does that mean? What does most at risk mean? Like the people that are just like the, the biggest players, like the ones that are able to slay 
Like, hey, <laughs> hey, who's hey the, look, who's the Chad in this city? Come over here. We got to inoculate you. Like you, <laughs> yeah. I gotta head to CVS, man. Get get myself a vaccine real quick because uh, I've been getting a lot of action. Your boy fucks. That's why. Yeah. Because your boy yeah. fucks. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be an uncontrolled spread in the same way that we've tolerated <laughs> the COVID-19 epidemic. Uh, but there is a possibility that this has gotten into the community if, in fact, it's more pervasive than we're measuring right now. That becomes hard to snuff out. And they were concerned that this summer, because of all of the different festivals and stuff that were going on, uh, that people were just going to be spraying their monkeypox everywhere. Yeah, they're just going to be gooing everywhere. <laughs> spreading that spreading that pox <laughs> did you get chicken pox yeah yeah i've had it did you so yeah so i had it so there's something about the dormant uh, what's I, I don't know what the um the virus is actually called uh but it's like it stays dormant in you and then it can like it can wake up i guess um is that not what shingles ch- is is that not what yes. happens yeah but i thought yes. that i thought that shingles was adult chicken pox so if you hadn't had it as a kid and you don't have immunity ooh, i'm pretty sure that that's what it is Cause it's kind of dangerous to not have had chicken pox as a kid yes no i think i think it, either one so it it's it's pretty much dormant for the rest of your life certain circumstances can make it you know wake up and then you get shingles. But I don't know, dude. Monkeypox just—I mean, sorry, it sounds funny. Well, it isn't sounds, it's so it's so weird because like chickenpox, we, we've just accepted that as oh, that's just the name of it. Monkeypox, oh, the, what a ridiculous name! How <laughs> yeah, how dare true. you put an animal sure. in front of We're the word pox? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a new one. Uh, Johnny Depp trial, man. Have you been watching any of this? Uh, mainly again, dude, this is, this is so pathetic because I feel like all of my answers, Oh, have you heard about this? It's like, Oh, either I heard of it through a meme or I saw a 25 second clip to maybe a three minute clip on uh, Instagram or, uh, TikTok. Maybe I am just one of the, the herd. You do know that that's how pun pun intended. That is how most people get their news now. In fact, that probably makes you better informed than most people. Okay. Well, you know, I, I like to consider myself, you know, above a a cut above yeah so so yeah what i've seen is actually i somewhat loosely followed the herd uh depth controversy for a while um i know i heard like some horror stories earlier on and then as far as the trial goes i've again just seen clips like the clip of amber heard supposedly snorting cocaine during (laughs) um which is you know maybe she's doing that maybe not the uh, fact that she uh, took a shit in her own bed, but it was on Johnny's side. Um, That'll teach him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you. Chris had the had a, had a great bed on that. Chris is like, hey, don't shit in your bed, your <laughs> own bed. <laughs> the funny thing, like, I just want to know, like, what position she was in. Like, was she was she squatting over the bed like her feet were on the floor? Or was she on the bed squatting? You've got to Maybe be. She was holding onto the backboard. You've got to be on the. You've got to be on the bed in full squat. That's the only way. Okay, to do so it. so what? So she's an experienced third world squatter, because that's not an easy task. If you've never shit, she's got good mobility. In a third- Maybe she should consider transitioning to the sport of Olympic weightlifting if she can get herself all the way down to the bottom of a squat. Yet. Honestly, her mobility is good enough now to to work with her. I'll I will DM her and see if I can start working with her. Amber, look, her I know that you've got. I know that you've got some bigger 
fish to fry at the moment. But once you've completed this court case, have you ever considered <laughs> entering into the sport of Olympic weightlifting? Uh, Ms. Heard, this could be your journey back into because I'm not sure if you're aware, there is 4.5 million signatures on change.org to get Amber Heard replaced in Aquaman 2. Really? Dude, nearly 5. 4.5? Nearly 5 million people. I think if it breaks, it's already one of the top uh, petitioned Petition. changes ever, right? And I'm, I don't know what the title is. In fact, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this out. What is the most petitioned change.org? But to, to you know, Miss Heard, look, I just realized that in order to have oh, shit fuck. on your it was own bed. Sorry, sorry. It was justice for George Floyd, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, 19. Yeah. But that was 19 million people. Dude, one quarter of the number of people that wanted justice for George Floyd want Amber Heard to be removed from Aquaman 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, world. Yeah. Uh, Miss Heard, I realized that in order to shit in your own bed, uh, <laughs> you would have to have the mobility to, you know, stand on a relatively unstable platform, mind you, uh, and and squat in what we would consider a deep squat position, something that's very optimal for the sport of Olympic weightlifting, uh, in order to defecate on your own bed. So given that information, you have the prerequisite to be a very fine athlete. Um, how would you mind coaching from me? Uh, we'll take you to the top of this sport. Miss Heard, if you are listening, if you are listening, we got it. <laughs> but dude, I, I, here's another thing as well. Yeah. This has happened before that people want, because it takes so long to film a movie and then to edit a movie and then to publicize a movie. It's like, do you realize how much work it would be to replace Amber Heard shot for shot in a movie that's already been filmed, what do you want to they do? They did that. They did that with Crystalia. Well, yeah, but he wasn't one of the central characters, or was he? True. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess I didn't care enough about Aquaman. Like again, bringing up Crystalia. This is a Crystalia one. <laughs> this is a great bit. He goes. Someone's like, "Hey, man, I watched Aquaman," and and my response is, "What plane did you take?" <laughs> Because you only watch Aquaman on the plane. And that's actually how I feel about it. It's like, I don't really care about it that much. I had no idea that Amber Heard was in it. Yeah. Because cause to me, it's, it's you me know. Me neither. It's there's, a bit a in the, um, there's a bit in the trial where Johnny Depp suggests that the only reason that Amber Heard got the role was because of him. So the, the prosecution... Uh, the other attorney is saying to him, you didn't want Amber Heard to do any movies, did you? You didn't want her to go out and have meetings, did you? And Johnny's like, no, didn't say that at all. I mean, how do you think she got the role for Aquaman? Of course I'm supporting her. And you're like, <laughs> fuck. So he's suggesting basically that the only way she got it was through that. And uh, yeah, dude, I, it's this whole thing is wild. Think about the fact that they're both constantly recording each other. Think about that. Like there's all always recordings of each of them talking about stuff. Can we please bring up evidence number three two two one seven? You're like, okay, where's this come from? Oh, it's one of them recording the other one, like some secret agent shit. Oh wait, audio like audio recording? Yes, throughout the whole so they, trial. All of so the, they knew knew this was coming. N I don't know why they were recording each other. That's my question. Like, what is it? That's, what is you know, no, look, look, this is it. It's a, it's, you know, when you get into some sort of a toxic 
relationship, it's more important to show burden of proof of the other person's wrongdoings later on. You know, it, really? If, I mean, if, if you Johnny get into Depp was supposed to be you, off his face all the time, I don't know whether he's got that. I I don't know what they were doing it for. Maybe it was in case there's a court case, but there's recordings from 2015 and shit. Yeah, I mean, when I don't, dude, people change when they get into really, really bad relationships. They do. They do things that they can't even. I mean, I've been in bad relationships and I've done things where I'm like, that is not who I am. Like, you know, raised my voice, like something like recording someone else to to then garner some sort of uh, advantage leverage on them later on. That's absolutely possible, especially from someone who's not the manipulated one. It's like, oh, well, this is the standard that we've set for this relationship. Yes. You know, it's like I can go sneak and look on your phone because that's just what we do now. I can yell as loud as I can at you because we've done it once. We've done it a couple of times. We can all do these things. I I really think like that's the mark of the worst possible relationship is saving issues so that later on you can use them as ammo. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you're also seeing now what happens behind the doors of people that Johnny Depp seems to have come out of this. He's super charming. He seems like a really sweet guy. Amber Heard seems super manipulative. Uh, but you can't say that it's a healthy relationship from either side. Uh, this isn't this isn't a very nice relationship or a good relationship to be in. But you're right. What happens when someone does something, when there's a first mover and you begin to think, oh, well, this is the tone of the relationship that's been set now. Okay, so she did this, so I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to keep this one in my back pocket in case she brings up a different thing and then we can yes. start. That tit-for-tat game, I did a video about Sam Harris ages ago about how I thought that this was a, <clears throat> this was a big deal, that you have this sort of ever-increasing in- intensity spiral of tit-for-tat and worse for worse for worse for worse. And that's how relationships end up, like tons of relationships I've been in end up like that but it's just what happens when you see people who are super super highly strung johnny it sounds like was on a a good bit of drugs and all sorts of different other uh addictions and shit that he had too and he was falling asleep by the side of the bed and doing all sorts of things you go well when you layer all of this together with some ego and a 300 million dollar net worth what do you expect? Shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah, or, or the, the bed. bed. Yes, yeah. nailed it. Um, also, Kate Moss is giving evidence this week. And Amber Heard apparently was dating Elon Musk at one point, And then there was another time that James Franco came around to the house. It's like just a litany of, I don't know, weird, famous people that are getting drawn in. It's like, oh, what do we... What do we think? Why don't we get Pamela Anderson in? Pamela, what do you think about this? We'll get you in as an expert witness for this particular case. People that I didn't think would have anything to do with it, but apparently they do. Yeah, well, you know, like, it's just the... I love the take that I see. It's a, it's on so many comments. It's like, Hollywood is not real. These people are egotistical narcissists, and no one really cares what they do. It's almost like we watch to uh, see the demise of it, you know? Um, but there's always someone who's like, why do we give a shit about the Hollywood elites? They're not real. They're the scariest people on earth because they're, they like, they're just represented. They're just all, everything they do is character caricature of something. Yeah. Well, I think I would, I would go, I would probably say that what I've seen at least of Johnny Depp, either Johnny is one of the finest actors that's ever graced the planet 
or that's really the way that he is. You seem very consistent throughout the trial. Like he's super calm, yeah. super chill. But with Amber Heard, you do see that real discordance between maybe the person she thinks she's supposed to be, the person that she's playing. All of that was really uncomfortable. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, there's there's this whole group of people at the moment. Um, who's Machine Gun Kelly seen at the moment? Who's that chick? Thingy Fox, Megan Fox, Jennifer. Fox. Megan Jennifer? Fox. <laughs> Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Jennifer Fox. Megan um, Fox. So, like, they, they were in the news the other week because they were doing blood rituals, like swapping yes, blood. Yes, um, yeah. I'd, I'm pretty sure that Johnny Depp said that they'd done something similar early on in the relationship. And then, dude, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm If I could put money down right now, Jared Leto is going to have something come out about him within the next five to ten years. Oh yeah. I mean, it already has become that for sure. There, um, the way I was made aware of it was, uh, Filion. Yeah. I saw the same video. Yeah. So that, that's where I was made aware of it. He is wildly creepy when they, uh, compile all of these interviews and these weird things he said. And yeah, I would not be surprised either. That's a great call. That's I, I I would give you, you know, Big shitty odds, odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. There is something about this that just makes me think. But then you also think about the fact that the uh, who was Epstein's enabler, who was the chick that he did that with, uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Jelaine Maxwell case not publicized at all. No uh, daily trial. No video. None of that. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It literally is just like someone this. waving the big red flag. Like, look at this. Look at this. Don't look over here. Don't look over here. Not allowed to look over here. That stuff pisses me off so much, man. It really, really does. Like, the, just the silencing of things that can damage and hurt people that aren't in Hollywood, but are in majorly powerful positions, not just in the U.S., but, you know, worldwide, being the economy that we are, the, the powerhouse economy. It's that that stuff is ridiculous. When you start get, going down that rabbit hole, it's just only frustration from from there on out. Do you know what's really frustrating as well is the, how quickly the internet seems to pivot from uh, hashtag Me Too to hashtag Men Too. That 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 now I understand that Men Too is a response to the Me Too being over, like potentially overblown in some people's eyes, and that the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial is look, men can be the victims of DV as well. They can be the people that are being socially manipulated, psychologically manipulated. They can be hurt. He nearly had his finger chopped off when she threw a vodka bottle at him. But it doesn't add in what people haven't realized is look. That particular style of thinking, believe all women, was maybe a little bit too low resolution, right? As has been shown in this case in front of us. Doing the opposite doesn't suggest that it's any better. Like, that's yes, just as low resolution thinking. But see, that is this not, not just how everything in the world works? You can't just go, absolutely, this is the team. Absolutely, this is the team. And just let the pendulum swing back and forth. Those I, are the I love only two options. Like, yeah, like like uh, foam finger holding. That's what I call it. You know, the people that go to the game, they just go, "Woo, that's my team." The the liberals, the Democrats, or you know, the Republicans, conservatives. Like that's my team. I root for them no matter what. Um, yeah, and the and the pendulum swinging is just nauseating. You know, um, I saw this movie Men yesterday. Was it any good? Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. Uh, it was by it was by Alex Garland who made Ex Machina and um, uh, Annihilation, two of like movies that I really like. It was pretty good. It was you know uh, thrilling, but the story behind it or, or what it was mentioning was you know the faults of men that aren't being taken by men. You know, so it's it's more along the lines of the Me Too movement. It's like um, there are characters in it that treat the main character. Like every, uh, you know, patriarchal trope, yep. like the nice guy, you know, the nice guy trope, there's like the gaslighter, there's like the sexual worshiper. And it's very obvious in that way. And the funniest thing is I'm watching this. And from my perspective, I could see seven different characters of females because I've been in situations where the opposite has happened to me. Right. So it does not, it's not. Oh, believe all men, believe all women. It's like, believe some men, believe some women, but you know, like, or don't believe any of them until they prove themselves. Or how about this? Things are not storyline. Things will always remain gray. The best stories are actually the best movies are the ones that are like, this must be the good character, right? This must be the good guy. This must be the bad guy. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, the bad guy, I kind of understand why he did that. Oh, the good guy, like, why is he doing that shitty thing? You know, it's like those are the best, the ones where you question the characters and in doing so you question yourself. And I've always found that sort of thing fascinating, but it's infuriating. Like you said, to just see the pendulum go from one side to the other. I see it on every social media platform. But it's easier, right? It's easier to have low resolution thinking. All that you need to do is go, well, here is a one size fits all answer. You see this in the red pill community as well. They've got their answers for what, what it is that women are after. They go, well, I don't know, man. Like that doesn't fit with my experience of women in the real world. And maybe I just happen to have managed to live 34 years and have a really unrepresentative experience. Or maybe there's something about me that's selecting for a different type of, uh, of people that I speak with. But I've met a million people stood on the front door of nightclubs. That's a pretty big sample size. I met a lot yeah. of women right? Working yes. in nightlife. And they, they would be the ones that would be thrown under the buses. Oh, well, they're the most club bratty, hoey, low moral girls that you're going to find. I'm like, well, didn't seem that way to me. So yeah. what, what do you, th but no, 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 no. It's significantly easier to just have a one size fits all answer because you never ever have to question your assumptions again. Yeah. And, um, I, the, the boys versus girls, girls, girls versus boys on TikTok, Instagram, you know, anything is just incessant. It is nonstop. It is, you know, it's, it's a, always a, a one size fits all thing. And what, what's problematic is if you do it, if you disguise these things, these, these binary understandings of, of, you know, left, right, whatever, if, if you disguise it with memes, and with clever, funny, and timing, it's all about timing, doing it first and being funny, or it's all about being contrarian. If you disguise all of those things and someone calls you out and says, hey, man, what about this gray area? You go, oh, it was just a joke, dude. Take it easy. You know, are you really going to say that all men aren't bad at a time like this? It's like, well, why can't I? You know, or, or vice versa. Not all women are bad at a time, you know, when, when something comes up. So I, I always think that, that that happens and it's just so prevalent in social media. It's like you really got to cut through all of that. Well, you got to think um, 
certainty and black and white thinking and a pithy, well-rounded, snappy tagline sounds a lot like wisdom and insight and understanding. Like that's a good proxy for those things. It's not those things, but it sounds like what someone that actually knew what they were talking about would say. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it catches fire online because a platform like Twitter or TikTok specifically isn't built to have longer form discussions. It's built to optimize for pithiness, right? It's built to be optimized for shortness. So what you end up with is not necessarily the argument which is the most right. It's the one that is the most believable or sounds the most right. And that gets filtered through all sorts of things. People use fluency as a proxy for truthfulness. So that's why the people that have great delivery, presidents that have amazing, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Like, Bill Clinton got away with all sorts because he had fucking great delivery. So, okay, how do you sort of pull these things apart? And yet you have an entire internet of people that are able, they have way too much spare time, but people still get seduced by the same things. Do you feel like the internet has evolved into this thing where it's all about relatable? It's all about... Oh, haha. Like my face when, you know, like my face when th- this happens. Or like, I feel like almost all of TikTok is, is relating a life experience to other people. And maybe that's how things have always been, but it's meme and meta culture has literally taken almost every single aspect of the internet at this point. You're the expert on TikTok, man. That is one of the things I'm so glad. I'm not that I didn't I haven't developed that compulsion you know of all of the other addictions online that I've got I'm so glad that TikTok wasn't one of them I'm slowing down for sure I'm definitely slowing down um it was definitely really intriguing at first but I always observe it through a critical lens like I'm always criticizing whatever the idea is but the girls versus boys boys versus girls thing there's problems on either side of that debate. And what I'm able to do when I look at TikTok is observe the comments, see where I disagree, decide what I, you know, rather than a lot of people, it's just confirmation bias, right? It's just, oh, I believe that thing. They did a really funny video uh, that was quirky and, and it timed up really nicely with my life. Let me just repost it to my Instagram story really quickly. Okay, that, I believe that things like that uh, can eventually do more harm than good. And that's not why I use TikTok. I just use it to just observe and, and see what's going on in the internet. There are some really funny, just stupid comedy viral videos still. So I'm always down to watch stuff like that. But it is a good platform for observation. Twitter, on the other hand, is something that I don't think I could ever get into. Interesting. I don't I, even I... know if I really tried yeah, I quite like Twitter. Uh, speaking of which, I got sent this thread by Rob Henderson earlier on, which is really interesting. Could the matching imbalance on Tinder and other dating apps be a factor in the rise of the incel movement and young men reporting low sexual activity? So there's a graph here that says the uh, young men, a uh, share of men and women between the ages of 18 and 30 reporting no sex in the past year. And that has gone up from 10% to 30% for men since... Uh, around about 2010 to 2020 to now, right? So over the last decade, the number of men reporting no sex in the last year has tripled. And the uh, line on the graph has got where Tinder's introduced, and it is exactly when 
men, uh, where that that inflection for men beginning to go from the ten percent to the twenty to twenty eight percent. Women also actually um, stay flat for a little while, but have increased, which is also very interesting. Um, wealth in Tinder is not distributed equally. Attractive guys have more wealth in the Tinder economy; they get more likes than unattractive guys. That's the bottom eighty percent of men, bottom twenty percent of women, top eighty percent of women, top twenty percent of men thing, which a lot of people are familiar with. Um, there's a thing called a Gini coefficient or a Gini coefficient, um, which works out how much inefficiency there is within a system. So it's used to look at uh, economies within countries. Uh, and the lower that the number is, the um, more uh, equality there is uh, within wealth distribution. So if modern dating apps were a country, it would be one of the most unequal in the world. The Tinder economy has a higher Gini coefficient than 95.1% of the countries in the world. It's just below South Africa. It's above Venezuela. In disparity of yeah. wealth. Yeah, uh, it's above Venezuela and just below South Africa. That's where it sits. Uh, according to open source data, a man of average attractiveness can only be expected to be liked by slightly less than 1% of females, 0.87% on Tinder. This equates to one like for every 115 females and men in the bottom 10% see just one match per week at most. Ultimately, most women only swipe on a handful of men per day while men are more freewheeling with their swipes. So yeah, men, females pass on 95% and like on five and men are basically 50-50 left and right. Um, it's just... It, so it, we, we, we had talked about Tinder before <clears throat> and one thing that I think is actually really interesting was before Tinder, it, there were websites like eHarmony. You remember that? Match.com. Match.com. And the way that the way that we looked at it, you know, the the guys in my friend group, the people my age, we looked at it as like, oh, what a weird fucking idea. Online dating, super weird. You're a weird like it's it was just kind of like, what the hell? And then here's Tinder, this fun little swipey thing. It's kind of about hookups. It's everyone it's a meme, right? It's it's a it's a it's like a meta commentary. It's just like this is hilarious. We're, we're swiping. It's hilarious. We match. Oh, what's up? Like, and then almost immediately after that, online dating becomes something serious. It becomes something like, well, I haven't gotten any dates. Let me go online. There was really, there's really not much resisting to whether it's cool or not. You can resist whether you want to do it or, or whether it's legit or not, or, or if the masses are doing it. But if someone says, Hey, I'm on hinge or I'm on Tinder, they're not going to get made fun of because it's just the masses are doing that. Whereas eHarmony and Match.com, like if you had done that at the time where they were very prevalent for, I think, older generations, um, it was definitely seen as a weird thing. That's the so same that as anything though, right? There's adoption, adoption curves happen but it was slowly. The, but it, it wasn't like eHarmony. It wasn't like we all jumped on eHarmony. We all jumped on the hookup app oh, that required zero effort. that made this the location services was i think the thing you are in the same location as that person here's a picture of them do what you want with it rather than this kind of weird um almost like myspacey type of aol vibe to it which you would get from eHarmony and mash.com yeah maybe on the it's... tinder thing you get this more you get this handheld 
you know, location services, this app on your device. That Good it, user it experience. Separates it. Less yes. boomery. Well, why do you think it would be <clears throat> that the introduction of Tinder would increase the number of men reporting no sex? Do you think it's just women? Do you think that it, what this guy's implying in the thread is because of this high inequality that women are sort of wistfully chasing after the eight out of tens and above for guys and they're not giving any attention to the dudes at the bottom? Because you would have presumed, maybe, if you hadn't been able to work out what was actually going to go on, everyone's talking to everyone more. That should facilitate more casual sex for everybody overall. But what it seems has happened is the gains have been sort of accrued to the very few um, super chads at the top. And then there's this big sexless underclass of men that is now 30% of men reporting no sex within the last year. Yeah, I mean, more matches for the female would mean, uh, you know, why would you take the male that you're less attracted to, right? Like, why would you take the opportunity if you know you can match with more and more and more and more people, you're going to leave out a very large chunk of other people where men apparently do not have that option. So, yeah, I mean, it's they're just chasing after the potential match that they know is more likely going to happen. Maybe if those two people meet, like, this is also another thing. Women are, and men, are now looking at their potential mate through the lens of looks. Whereas before, you might not think someone is attractive until there's some sort of action that makes them attractive. Um, whether that's someone in your class or, uh, you know, someone you go to the gym with or whatever, that interaction is what makes them attractive. And then you're looking at someone who, if you saw their Tinder profile or if you saw their Hinge profile, you would not have swiped. So maybe that's occurring less, you know? Potential mates, like you just had on a guest who said that the worst quality to look for for a long-term relationship is looks. Conventional attractiveness, yeah. And that is exactly what people are looking at when they get these apps. Well, I think that this probably explains a big chunk of why relationships are now increasingly short. And this is something that people don't necessarily see. So it's easy to say um, there is now a global sexual marketplace. Um, Anybody with an Instagram account or a Tinder account can basically be in the entire world's sexual marketplace, right? They can be dating somebody in Guatemala or Bali or Germany or wherever they want. And therefore, that means that people are mate switching more easily because the friction of doing that is lower. And because the number of competitors for whoever your mate is, is significantly higher now. And that women will lily pad from one guy to one guy, from one chad to one chad to to the next one. Now, the thing that Seth Stevens Davidowitz said that was really interesting is that the algorithms can predict what you're going to click on unbelievably well. They will be able to predict with like insane accuracy, whether you'll swipe left or right on someone. And the algorithms can do basically nothing to work out whether or not you'll have long-term happiness and whether a relationship will last long-term. So for the people that didn't see the episode, um, the things that are most often used as cues for whether or not someone will swipe right or left are things like height, conventional attractiveness, wealth level, and job. Right, those are some of the the most common things that are used. These have zero, basically zero correlation with whether or not a relationship is happy long term. Those things were psychological stability, conscientiousness, um, a growth mindset, a bunch of other things. None of which can be displayed on a Tinder profile. 
I can't tell whether so you've got a growth mindset or whether you're uh, somebody that's psychologically stable. stable. Yep, precisely. Yeah. In fact, you might be able to try and signal precisely that through your looks and then have the complete opposite. You can put window dressing up as much as you want. So my point being that what people are doing now is optimizing for the wrong parameters. People are optimizing for things which are completely arbitrary when it comes to long-term relationship happiness. For girls, things like height. I think it's something like 80% of women on Hinge have their height limit set to six foot or above for men. That's less than 10%, I want to say, less than 10 or 15% of men in the United States are above six foot. And yet that, and height has zero predictive ability when it comes to looking at long-term relationship happiness. Imagine you saying to me, dude, I only date girls who are a size four and a half shoe. I'd be like, why? Why? I yeah. know that this has no bearing on whether or not you're going to be happy in this relationship, but you just pick this arbitrary thing because it's become captured by the culture that girls that are size four and a half feet. Do you know what? I have a great, I almost have a, a, a reasoning for that having, and the, this is anecdotal, but I, I feel as though girls hold more of an animus towards these dating apps. So they, they say, look, if I'm going to get on hinge, I'm going to get the best of the best. And if it doesn't work, no problems for me. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if I get one match, if I get 10 matches, I don't care. I'm on this thing to not get fucked over. But I, if I'm going to get someone, they better be tall. They better be good looking. They better be this, this, and this. Where maybe it's not the, the same approach for men. Right. I, I, I can honestly say that I've heard many, many women just say, like, it's almost like the dating app owes them for being because yeah, they resent the fact that they maybe have they to resent be on the there. idea that they're there. Yes. That's, That's interesting. Absolute, that has to be it. Right. I mean, and then men are on there because it's like, well, fuck, I haven't gotten laid. I'm not sure that it has to be. I think that would be or, re or a really I'm interesting. I want a mate or something like that. And I, and I really hope this works. You know, I don't think. Uh, I think it's less likely that a male is going to be on there and be resentful for it. I don't know, man. A you lot know? of guys seem to be very resentful of online dating as well now. Well, they don't they don't like it, but I think their approach to it is less of, uh, well, if I don't get the best-looking girl, I don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's, the, the, that, that's inevitable because of the fact that guys are the... Um, they're the protagonists and girls are the gatekeepers, right? That's always the way that it, that it's going to be. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, Hinge, as as Hinge is designed. Hinge is designed. The whole um, novelty around Hinge is that it flips that imbalance on its head, because typically it's the guy that messages first, and on Hinge it has to be the other way around. I think. No, that's bum that's Bumble. Sorry. Bumble is yeah. Yeah. Bumble. Yes, Bumble. But you know what? I'm, that's the, the one, one I meant. Right. Yeah. Where you go. Well, the power dynamics being shifted because for precisely this reason, because to avoid girls from having too many incoming messages from guys that they whatever, like erroneously accidentally swiped right on or, or some shit. But yeah, man, it's um it's really interesting. I, I I just don't feel very positive, I think, about the world of online dating at the moment. I just don't see it getting any better. You know, I even had no. Logan Yuri, I had hinges director of relationship science on so she's a lady that's in charge of looking at how the apps facilitate relationships long term and she had some great points to put across she's very keen into intentional dating being deliberate with what am i looking for why is it so on and so forth but the apps simply can't get around the fact that people tend to optimize for the wrong parameters now 
They tend to optimize for stuff that doesn't have any predictive power. And how would you create an app that was able to gauge someone's growth mindset or their psychological so, stability? So did you see the Black Mirror episode? No. Um, where Okay, so this is fantastic. They Basically, it's two people that go to this this or this camp thing or whatever it is and um what that what happens is the algorithm or the the machine pairs you up with someone and then based off of your date they determine how long you are to spend with that person and sometimes it says you will be with this person for the next six months you will be with this person for the next six years you will be with this person for the next 12 hours and at the end of it you absolutely must change partners and um, I'm spoiling it, so I don't care. It's been out for like seven years yes. since an episode of Black Mirror. And what happens is this guy ends up falling in love. And then they say, you are only to be together for like the next four months or something like that. I, can't, I don't know the exact thing. And if you break the rules, like you, you are not allowed to break the rules. It's kind of like this sci-fi feeling to it. Um, <clears throat> and then what happens is they have to break up. And he says, fuck the rules, fuck all this, we're going to escape together. And so he grabs her and they make this big run away from the camp or whatever, and then they climb this big wall, and then everything just dematerializes around them. And what they realize is, or what you realize at the end, is that they were just a couple of AIs that were running through a machine to see if two couples in real life, not in this AI world that they created, were uh, meant to be together. They, they went over all of the things that the intangibles that can't be done in an app. So this, this would be something that you would have to do. You'd have to create a very scalable AI version of other people and be able to match them and put them through the real test, the longing for one another when they can't be together, like put them through the real test. And if they, and if it ends up working out in that little AI world, you'll say this person is a 97.1% match. So on and so forth. You want to do that? Would be the only way to do that. Simulated Tinder. It would be yeah, but the problem is that you, you know, you have the, the these AI. They live these conscious lives only to uh, fulfill our needs to to find the right mate. But I I would I mean you're right. It's we as of right now we can only look at these simple ass metrics that really aren't that important. It's usually just what they look like. Like you said, their height. Physical attractiveness. And what they job, can write in a bio. And what they can write in a bio. Is it clever enough to make me giggle? Can they break the ice right when they message me? All shit that doesn't matter two years into a relationship. And you got to figure out who's going to, you know, take care of certain things around the house and all these things. None of that shit matters. Yeah. Or it's a pandemic. But I don't know how it's they could It's a pandemic and you, you need to work out how you two are going to deal with being apart from each other or living in a house together with each other. Like going back and looking at someone's Tinder profile and comparing that with the What you experience. know now? Yeah, precisely. Oh my God. Yeah. And it, it is it is so bizarre when you think about it. You're like, it's all window dressing. And none of these things that you're looking at in the window are actually things that matter for long-term happiness. Conventional attractiveness has zero predictive power for long-term relationship success. Like, what the fuck? What the it fuck? doesn't matter how loudly you say that. It doesn't matter how loudly or how many times you say that. I'm pretty sure it's been said many times before, and it's only getting more and more imp important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and also there's like, the, on both sides of the fence here. Like it's increasingly for all that the sort of body positivity movement and 
that Sports Illustrated cover has come out and this is what fitness looks like from self.com and the future of healthiness or whatever it was on Cosmopolitan. For all of that, like, I don't really see anybody on the apps actually changing their personal preferences. It's like, oh, okay, so you're happy to share this front cover on your Twitter account and yet you're still swiping left and right on exactly the same people when it comes to your own yeah. personal preferences. Be careful what you say, Chris, because <laughs> uh, you're spitting facts and uh, it is very funny. It's like, oh, you, you really are accepting of all body types. But when it comes to dating apps, all of a sudden uh, you don't want any part in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this is really funny because I just saw this today. It's Tim Dillon. Uh, basically, he, he's saying it doesn't matter the organization. They don't when they grow to have enough power and enough um, eyes on them, they can never care about you as an individual. And, you know, those people that are putting out, um, you know, the, this is beautiful and, and all these virtue signaling things is like, if you are truly about that cause, give all your money to charity. If you are truly, or, or show, you know, you, they just utilize it purely as something that would drive clicks that will, you know, Jordan Peterson did more for that sports illustrated, uh, magazine than anyone else could have. (laughs) They dude, the CEO or or the editor in chief for sports illustrated should go and thank Jordan Peterson. They probably haven't had that many clicks in ages for fuck's sake. I clicked on it. I was like, well, Oh shit. The, 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 the swimsuit edition is out. Let's see what's going on here. I want to see who the woman is that he thinks is is not attractive. Of course, I'm going to do that. You know, it is. So it, it is. You're so right, man. Like they must be split testing what gets the most clicks for this. The fashion companies that are using plus size models, you'll notice that they never use skinny fat guys. So they'll have normal dudes. Oh my god! Did you see this the other day? So it was so funny. One of my guys, one of my guy mates tweeted this from the UK about how it was um, different types of underwear. One was for men and one was for women. And the women was women of all sizes. And the dudes were shredded out of existence. And it was just like a comparison of the women's underwear and the guys' underwear. And all of the guys were absolutely ripped. Bro, that kind of sucks, dude. That kind of sucks. Like, look, I, I, I guess... Maybe it's not masculine of me, but to to have that be the standard for men and to not be like, hey, it's accepting, it's acceptable for a man to do that because, hey, look, like, um, someone you know said this the other day, and and it was a woman. She said, like, you know, I, I sometimes misinterpret this. We can give as much shit as we want to men because they're men. You know, it's like we misinterpret it. It's like they should be able to handle that you know, we have looked at a society where, you know, we look at through, through the lens of the quote unquote patriarchy. And so we, dude, I've just put it uh, in the chat. Just saying, have a, have a, yeah. have a look at this thing. So have a look at the difference between it's Maya and the women's, the women's lingerie and the guy's lingerie. Holy shit, wait, this is the exact same. Is this the same page or did they cut it? No, this is the same page. you know what what does that fucking say man what does it say to to men it's like oh yeah like you guys don't need to be babied at all ever you don't need compliments you you know oh your feelings are hurt 
Well, you're a man. Can we you for with... the people that are just listening? Can you describe the uh, the image? All right. So look. So look, we have the women of all sizes on top. Uh, we have women of all ages for sure on top. You know, we have an older lady on the right, a couple older ladies in the middle, you and know, ethnicities as well. All ethnicities, men, shredded, shredded, shredded chicken, absolute <laughs> dick skin peeled. Uh, okay, well, looks like we have. Uh, a couple different races here uh and then shredded well no like, it's not a couple these... of different races there's only one like slightly caramel guy but that's the same dude twice oh that's the same dude that's the same dude twice <laughs> great homeboy yeah, in the middle is ready to step on stage he's peeled out of his mind yeah this is not uh yeah the the acceptable but this is interesting they have um this is different brands so are they pulling from are these like Meyer uh, models or what's the deal here? I'm not sure because like sometimes, point- sometimes uh, e-commerce sites will have their – they'll get products from a bunch of different brands. Then they'll shoot it in their style, right? Like ASOS does this. ASOS has ASOS models even though they might have Nike clothes. So it doesn't really matter that it's different brands. This is fucked up, man. How fucking wild is that? <laughs> oh it's so God. blatant. But anyways, to finish what I was saying is just like this, this idea that, you know, this woman had brought this to my, my attention. She's like, you know, I, I do tend to just not really give as much of a shit about men's feelings because it's always, we're worried about, we are worried about women's feelings. And and a lot of times we can brush it off. And that is a mistake that I've, I've made and I try not to make anymore. And, you know, it's the same thing here. It's like, well, we have to absolutely worry about body dysmorphia in men. Because the moment that men begin to think that their bodies aren't as acceptable as they could or should be, they can develop problems that, you know, ush- they usher out into to real life. And we've seen this in, in bodybuilding, in, in my world, in fitness. Like, the people that are constantly commenting on another dude's body, like, they do have problems within their their own worlds. This isn't just men towards women. It could be women towards women or men towards other men and it happens a lot of men towards other men but dude think about what what we said on the last one which is slut shaming the amount of slut shaming that goes from women to women the amount of people who are anti-abortion or pro-life by and large it's women the vast majority of uh, comments that are done about other women's appearance is done from women to women and yeah like this is where the whole battle of the genders thing yeah you can't you it can't just be this thing where it's like men versus women or women women versus versus women women. or women versus men it's it really is problematic and i it's so fucking weird it's like i had this realization on tiktok because it's like the gen z kids the kiddos out there like you're, you're noticing a lot of women who are just like they they're playing on it they're not actually serious but they always vocalize it's like having a crush on a woman now like women are much more vocal about being sexually interested in other women because of their disdain for men in general because we have the men versus girls girls versus yeah or sorry yeah men versus girls girls whatever you know that that war going on between the two of them it's just so apparent and the the same could be said on the opposite side like the, the the idea of oh she's for the streets you know what I mean? Like what's that mean? The the I, it's like um, if a if a woman you know does something that's slutty, she's for the streets. Oh, like, okay. 
pick your head pick your head up king like focus on yourself type yeah, of shit. yeah 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 as it's that's like the, the the meme language that kind of surrounds it and they both have their flaws you know but it's 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 always it's for me the only reason i'm bringing it up is because like i don't see that changing and i think you you told me this before like uh, that's where you you have your issues, Zach. Is that you call to action a culture shift, which is just like an almost impossible task. Yes, I do that a lot on my videos. I go, oh, I, I wish as a culture we could do this thing better, um, or or I'm pointing out this flaw in in some sort of fitness charlatan, and I'm I'm wishing that we could do this thing better. And for some reason, I forget what your point was or who brought it to your attention, but it's like calling to action this mass massive cultural shift is not always the answer or it's, it's not even remotely the answer it will never work i just don't think that it's realistic because you don't have like a god's eye coordination for this you know what you would need to do would be able to sit everybody down and say look here are some interesting insights guys and girls about where you think your oppression or your vulnerability or your difficulties come from and a lot of them are calls that are coming from inside of your own fucking house right women who will for the most part, presume that I would guess if you were to do a survey of women, they would think that slut shaming, anti-abortion rhetoric and body shaming mostly comes from men. It doesn't. It comes from women and guys like most of the guys that are having the piss taken out of them about the way that they look or about how strong they are, about how noodly their arms are and stuff that it's not girls that are saying that it's no. your bros. It's your bro yeah. friends or the people that aren't even your friends. Right. Like that's where the vast majority of attention but this gender war thing that we've got that's going on at the moment it gets clicks right because it creates an easy in-group and out-group you know maybe after race it's the most prevalent in and most obvious in-group and out-group that there is yeah and then you know you would you would assume that is part of like the you know the non-binary discussion as well you can create in-group out-group easily there well there's a million different in-groups and out-groups if you do that look z let's bring this one home man uh people want to keep up to date with the shit that you're doing where should they go uh please go to my youtube channel um i discuss things all all things fitness uh, a little bit of a you know a, a focus on olympic style weightlifting but i try to focus on general fitness my instagram coach underscore zt if you want programming uh i have general programming i have squat programming for what you want to do in the gym go to patreon.com slash Zach Tellender, and I think that's it. That's all. That's it, man. Peace. Flex for the cameras. <laughs> <laughs>